Let us now turn to the scripture, to Amos chapter 2. But this is Amos 2, verse 13 through 16. Amos 2, 13 through 16. Beginning to read then with verse 13. Behold, I am weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. We have here, we have a wonderful little passage or a little refrain that I think I think it's one of those passages that if you were reading through Amos, you might well just fly on by and not see the significance of it. But this is a very a very good um, study, if you will, on the idea of trying to escape the Lord with the message that we cannot escape the Lord. We we just cannot escape the Lord, and and so uh, in a sense, it, it gives us a. A thematic sermon on that on that idea of of our efforts to escape the Lord and how God warns us ahead of time that we just cannot do it. And so you see the outline there in your bulletin. There is no escape on account of God's character, verse uh, thirteen. There is no escape on account of God's methods. Uh, there is no escape on account of God's inscrutability, verse fifteen, and then. Uh, this last thought that every attempt at escaping God will be nakedly embarrassing. And as I studied this passage, I was going to go on to the next chapter, but as I studied this passage, I thought this is just too precious to meditate upon. And once having seen it, uh, you know, you may go back to this passage and just read, read this and meditate upon the, 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 the utter vanity of trying to escape from the living God. Um, uh, I know uh, Dennis Pruto wrote a book on evangelism where he used that in the title. It, it's, uh, he's been, it's been out for about 10 years now. And uh, the, I think the title was something like uh, you, you, can't, you Can't Escape the, the Lord, a, uh, a, uh, an apologetic for evangelism. And so... Uh, I applaud him for seeing that and and uh, framing his book in that in that kind of a fashion. So it begins here. Behold, I'm weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Now you may think you may think well that's just kind of colorful language, but when you realize that this is a reference to the character of the Lord, why is the Lord weighed down like a like a wagon that's loaded with uh, sheaves of of, uh, of uh, uh, agricultural output. You know, have you ever seen a, a wagon pull, pulling along the road, maybe an old wagon today? Uh, some farmer has got this loaded down with hay piled high or something like that, and you, you, you wonder if the wagon is going to make it because it just seems like it is so heavily laden. We don't see that so often today. The farmers have too much money. The, the, wa- the wagons that they have are too are too uh, strong and um, but still we can see them where they where they look that way and with the new farming methods today uh, many times they're just they're loading 
a lot of silage into these huge mounds covered with plastic and that sort of thing. So they, they don't, uh, there's a there's a limit to how much they bind hay today, but I'm sure that we've seen these pictures. And you so you can see a, a wagon that's heavy laden. And uh, uh, Amos compares this to the the Lord. He says, the Lord is weighed down like a, like a wagon that's loaded up. Well, now, see, why is the Lord weighed down? Why, why is the Lord, why does the Lord have this burden? And last week I mentioned the fact that, that when Amos talks about a burden, that this goes back to his name, which means a burden. The word Amos in Hebrew uh, means a, a burden. That uh, So Amos was named after this idea that God was so um, burdened by his concern for his people. <clears throat> but now if we ask why is God burdened? This goes right to the character of the Lord. God would not be burdened if God were wicked. God would not be burdened if he uh, merely had light concerns for righteousness. If he really didn't care about how the world was developing, he wouldn't be so burdened. But the fact that he's burdened, he's burdened because of his righteousness. He's burdened because of his might and his power. Now, the Lord allows this creation and the developing social cultures in the creation, he allows them to wander from him. He gives us free will. But it doesn't mean that that free will is not responsible and that he will not reclaim his glory at some later time by bringing recompense for those who freely ran from him and disabused his name. So the reason for his weighty, weight being weighed down, it's, a, it's an emotional response in figurative language for us as human beings, it's a it's a, a metaphor for the fact that God is so good and that God cares so much, and that God in His might and His power, the the might and the power of God is simply restrained or held back in terms of its potency, its power to strike us down. It's held back by uh, both His long suffering, as it says in Romans one and his endurance. And so uh, this first uh, this first message, or the first part of this message, refers to the character of God. We cannot escape the Lord based upon his character. Now, most of, uh, most of us as children, when we think of ourselves as growing up, being younger, we have escaped the certain dictums of our parents. I know my, my boys, when they were about 18 and 19, 20, they began to tell me stories of ways that they escaped my reach when they were growing up. Things that I just didn't know about that they did. And uh, they, they told me these things with little gleams in their eye as if they had outfoxed me. And so, yeah, that's funny, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but uh, we, just because we can do that to our parents, that doesn't mean that we can do that to God. We, we, can, we can disobey. We can do things that we shouldn't do. We can do things about which our parents don't approve. But God has the power, but first of all, the knowledge and the power to enforce his dictums. So there's no escape. When the, when the world today thinks that it can, they can successfully escape the Lord because of these things, it's mainly because they're totally ignorant in terms of their studies and especially their devotion. They're totally ignorant of the greatness of God. 
the greatness of his knowledge, the greatness of his power, the greatness of his righteousness, uh, the energy that he will bring to bear upon them in the end. If we have books that are written today on hell, 99 out of 100 are written to uh, as an argument for why God should not curse us, why God will not bring judgment, eternal judgment upon ourselves. Uh, they are not books that reflect on the truth. They're, they're, they're not books that refer, reflect on the being of God, on his re- attributes and the power of those attributes. It's wishful thinking by sinners. And so we spin out books thinking that our libraries are somehow going to keep us from God's rightful judgment in the day of the Lord. But we cannot escape God's judgment because God is who he is. And indeed, if we would reflect on it for a moment, we would see that if God if God would not be the kind of God who would judge us for our iniquity, then it would reflect back on him that he was not a God of righteousness at all, but that he was a God of iniquity himself, that he would indulge iniquity, that he would indulge evil. We think of the efforts of this world and the politics of it and the ethics of it and how awful they are compared to the reality of who God is. And that was the first part of Amos' complaint here or warning against the people of his day. Behold, I am weighed down by you. And you get the emotional sense of that. I am weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. And he goes on from there to then articulate why there, there's not an escape from the Lord on these other grounds either. So the second, the second idea is the, the methods of the Lord or the way the Lord works uh, when he brings his justice to bear upon men. So verse 14 says, Therefore flight shall perish from the swift. Uh, the, the strong shall not strengthen his power nor shall the mighty deliver himself. So he takes a couple of examples, um, the people that are swift and then people that are powerful. And he says, if you think that you can escape by these various gifts that you have, or these various uh, strengths or accomplishments that you have, it can't be done. And so the, the, the uh, intelligent, even the brilliant of this world who are not believers, God says, Uh, He says, the fool says in his heart there is no God, because the brilliant may use his mind. He may conceive of a great philosophy. He may write many books. He may start many schools, many endeavors. But these things uh, will not um, be effective because God will undo them. Because of God's attributes, he will work at every point at which people take pride in themselves. Here, swift to foot, uh, or or uh, the mighty power. Uh, God will work at these very points. Right now in the world, we the Lord allowed us, in his, in his grace, he allowed us to develop and discover nuclear power in the last century. Uh, but now we, we labor under the fear of that escaping. We, we, we labor under the trepidation that, that we will lose control of these things. We say, well, if different countries or different cultures can hardly control the arms that they have, what will they do with nuclear power? And so it, it scares us. And there's been a qu- quite a bit of study on this lately and, uh, and f- f- focus 
because right now the world is so much caught in the turmoil of of uh, the war in Europe right now and uh, some of the things in China's threat against Taiwan and these kinds of things. And uh, so in the, in the same way, God takes whatever strengths we have, if we if we're nimble of mind, if we have insight, if we have brilliant people, well, God can turn those brilliant people against us. What's happening right now in terms of AI, artificial intelligence? Well, another, another great discovery God allows us to make in terms of uh, digital logic and in terms of all, uh, uh, alter, the alter reality of the, um, of the uh, internet world, the computer world, and yet uh, now, when, and some people, when this was being discovered, they wrote about how powerful men were going to be, how man, in a sense, could not be restrained at that point, or at that, the, the new discoveries. But now, now we have some of the brightest people in our land that are terrified of how artificial intelligence will be developed. Why is this? Well, it's because God has his his own way of dealing with these things and um, and uh, uh, breaking them down in our midst. I love the way, this is one of the ways that God restrains the wickedness of the world. We think of um, a television station like uh, CNN, which has dedicated itself so much against traditional values, which is another way of saying mosaic values, uh, the values of the Christian kingdom. And yet, um, here was a television station that just dedicated itself. If they could twist the truth, if they could see things from their own way, then they did it. And uh, against all other logic or all other factuality. But what we see now is that the, the this radio, this TV station has gone downhill, down and down and down, and now people are joking about it. And uh, they have, they have uh, some of the, the some of their broadcasters, like Brian Stelzer and Don Lemon, are people that became famous in the pagan world or the unbelieving world for the way they would rail out against the values of the Bible, as they had uh, involved themselves with the society. But uh, they got to the point where they just. Their, their readership or their, their watch, their audience was down so significantly that it, everybody knew. They, uh, people were saying the only time you can see CNN these days is when you go to the airport because <laughs> nobody's, nobody's watching it, um, which is probably a bit of an overstatement, but, uh, but not far. And so the, uh, a year ago, they installed another uh, head of the station. He was going to take it uh, in new directions. But he was just fired <laughs> this past week because it just seems like no matter what they do, they cannot uh, they, they, they cannot uh, succeed. <clears throat> and uh, today in the in the world of politics, while there are uh, it seems like dozens of people that want the Republican nomination, the political thinkers are fascinated with the, what they call the short bench of the liberal, Progressive Democratic Party. So what we see here is that this is a supposedly this is a uh, an ideology which is which is progressive, which is way ahead of the typical American way of thinking. It's going to bring all kinds of new things to bear upon us. The problem is that 
they they have nobody who is younger who can make an argument for this stuff in terms of a political uh, platform for themselves so that they can argue that I ought to be president or I ought to be a senator or I ought to be uh, a House of Representative guy. It's not that it's not that people aren't, aren't still being elected. Sometimes it's almost laughable, the people that we are electing. But what we see is that God is working here uh, in uh, to, uh, to undo these people. And so oftentimes the place where unbelief is most successful, much like in here, where Amos says the, the swift shall not be swift and the, the, the powerful shall not be powerful. We look at a place like Detroit, where because we're not up there, because we're not Michiganders, we fail to realize how devastating the fall of Detroit has been. They had 50% of that city that emigrated out of Detroit. And there were miles of empty neighborhoods up there that they've brought immigrants into now and resettled in these empty houses. And they, they, they refused to acknowledge what happened there. Same thing in California. Gavin Newsom, Newsom is arguing that he ought to be the Democratic candidate instead of uh, Mr. Biden. And he's so proud. He's got confidence. But then the people say, well, yeah, but why? Why The biggest problem California has is that you've been so successful in your program that people are leaving. You can get you can you can rent u haulets to go to California very cheaply because there are so many leaving California going the other way. Uh, this is the way God works uh, insidiously. Uh, and so Amos says, therefore, flight shall perish from the from the swift, the strong shall not strengthen his power. There is no way to escape the Lord. Because whatever your strength is, whatever your instruments are by which you will build your uh, program against the Lord, God will use that very thing to bring you down and you'll be destroyed. You cannot escape the Lord. The third thing here that we see in verse um, 15 is that there's no escape from God in, in terms of God's inscrutability. In other words, uh, not only does he, not only can he attack you on a thousand fronts, but he attacks inscrutably. He, he just, even if you don't understand his attack, he, he, he can attack you and work against your, uh, your system. And so it says here in verse 15, uh, he shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. So as in verse 14, where there are a couple of examples given, God is saying here, you can't escape regardless of your prowess with a bow or regardless of your the swiftness of your feet or the, 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 the fastness of your horse. Um, I, 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 many people have pointed out the fact that they uh, a lot of people, they want our military to go Electric, the electric tanks and that sort of thing. And then there, there are jokes that are made about you're trying to have a battle and all the, the tanks are run, run off of energy. And where do they get recharged out there on the battlefield? That's the kind of thing. God gives us these tremendous passions of culture for this or that, but they turn out to be vanities. The things that we consider strong like the bow or advantageous like the horse, uh, God will use them against us. He, his, his power is inscrutable. And so 
we ask ourselves, upon who do we rely? Do we rely on the Lord, and especially his beloved son, Jesus Christ? Or do, have we relied upon these false gods and these false strengths, thinking that we can escape his reach by them? The human being always thinks that it's the mass of mankind, if he can just gather up, garner up the masses of mankind, and they all agree that they can effectively rebel against the Lord. And of course, that's one of the hearts of Marxism in the 20th century and the, the more modern uh, American Marxism that we see today. People think that if they get the, the numbers game going for them, that that will somehow establish them in their rebellion against the Lord. But God says here, no, there's no escape from my reach. No matter how fast you are, no matter how many instruments like bow and arrows or machine guns or airplanes or any kind of technology, it doesn't matter because you will not stand against me. I will show you how I can bring these things down and make them null and void. And really it takes our breath away as human beings because we have seen where God does give us a certain amount of cultural strength. And yet, at the very point at which we appreciate that strength, we see things falling apart. Um, there are so few families today that are really successful if they have based themselves upon principles of American Marxism or progressivism. If they've deviated from the gospel and lifted up the gospel of humanism. They can be successful after a fashion on raising up that gospel, but their, their families fall apart. And there's nothing that works against our strength more than when the families who are to be our most intimate stronghold, when they are done apart, when they are destroyed by the vanity of our other efforts. And so um, the Lord uh, shows us that in these verses. Behold, I am weighed down by you as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. There's the famous uh, novel that said, uh, the, or the, the instance from history when uh, a certain king cried out, uh, my, my kingdom, my kingdom, my kingdom for a horse. He was on the battlefield, and his horse had been shot out from under him. Now he was a mere foot soldier, and the enemy was pressing down upon him, and he cried out for a horse, my kingdom. He, the, the joke was that he would offer his kingdom for a horse in order to get away. But in this case, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. The crusher is, verse 16, which talks about nakedness. And it says, The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. Uh, nakedness reveals things about ourselves that we don't want other people to see. It, it, reveals our, uh, it reveals our intimacies that we don't want people to see. It reveals our, our, our weaknesses that we don't want people to say, see, you know, when I, I, for a number of years, I taught a philosophy of aesthetics or the philosophy of beauty. And I would remind my classes that um, 
really we're the most pretty when we're covered up. <laughs> and uh, uh, there may be this lust after nakedness by the underculture, but really uh, uh, clothes normally hide things that we would rather people not see. And um, But in this case, the Lord says, uh, in the day of his judgment, there is no escape from him. And in fact, when we turn from him and rebel against him, he shall, uh, he, we shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. And so this has literally happened in Israel. Uh, the Assyrians, when they captured the northern ten tribes, they, they, they cut off the skirts of the Israelites. The, the robes that the Israelites would have, they, were, they had the same effect as a dress, even though that would, but it was culture-wide, both men and women. And in that day, um, the, the Assyrians uh, just cut off the robes of the, of the Israelites uh, at the waist, uh, above the waist, so that uh, everybody's privates were showing. And he drove them into captivity that way. The Babylonians, the same thing. It was even more horrible because then he lined them up and uh, he put fish hooks in their mouth and a lot of these long chains of prisoners with fish hooks and uh, tied to the rope. And he didn't have to handcuff them because, you know, they yanked the chain. It, uh, it, it caught their attention with these gigantic fish hooks in the cheek, through the cheek of the Israelites. God's judgment is not pretty. Um, even today where we flaunt ourselves before the Lord, just underneath the surface of our success, we have a culture of uh, suicide and mental illness. Because despite the pretensions of our lips, our grand, our grand posturing, just beneath the surface of that are these problems. The transgender movement that people are trying to push today, they're trying to, they're trying to pretend that, that men can't have babies. And there's been a couple of ter terribly funny clips on, the, on video lately where uh, people... They, People, as often women, will be just hysterical that men can have, the, arguing that men can have babies and that men can do this and that. And that's just preposterous. And uh, the, 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 the foolishness of this is, is shown when people who dedicate themselves, giving our children over to, um, to uh, horribly uh, ruin their bodies with these, oper these anti-sexual operations, Based upon your 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 given sexuality at birth, uh, and then uh, one of the greatest arguments against these things is that the suicide rate is enormously high for people that do these things, and many of the kids now have have tried to re, uh, re uh, go 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 and reverse these things, and they find themselves that they they find themselves terribly depressed. You'll see these stories that. Uh, been brought to not many places, but on Fox, they've interviewed a number of people over the last year or two that have gone through these things. And now they're dead set. And now they cry out. They say, how could our doctors, how could our medical community, how could our parents, how could the mature people of our society ever have given into our delusion as young people to crucify our, all our bodies that were given to us in the hopes that that would take us away from depression and discouragement. And, these, and they find themselves, despite these humanistic 
gospel kind of developments, they find themselves even more depressed than usual. Uh, because um, the most courageous of men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. What we have at the bottom of all of this is that we either have Christ or chaos. If we do not clothe ourselves with Christ, then there is no real hope for us. There's no confidence for us. There's no beauty in us. There's no strength. If we have Christ, then uh, we are not naked. We have the robes of righteousness to cover us and to help us and to strengthen us and make us new. If we have not Christ, then we have no alternative but to be shamed in the end, to be embarrassed by the discovery of our soul nakedness before the Lord. And so let us recognize the greatness that we have in Christ. Christ works against, uh, Christ works for the character of God. Uh, Christ works uh, against the methods of God's judgment because God will not judge those who are covered in Christ. God, Christ works, the, the beauties of Christ, the, the mission of Christ works against, against the inscrutability of God's judgment as it falls upon us. And as we just said, we, there is no embarrassment. The Bible says that we shall not be shamed, those that hide themselves in Jesus Christ. Do you want to be shamed? Do you want to be embarrassed at the end of your life when God's judgment lays all things open and plain? Of course not. Then we uh, should flee to Christ. And most of us have. We, we, uh, we have sought out Christ. We have seen some semblance of this argument in our lives already. But we need to have this in mind so that we can talk to our neighbors and our friends and our relatives and disabuse them of any sense that they can escape the living God. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that we might learn the simple lesson from Amos. We pray that we might see that here in this sermon of his are embedded, is embedded this idea that you cannot escape from God. Uh, he came, Amos came bearing a burden for Israel to tell them the way it really was because they had deviated. They had run away from the Lord. Here they were God's covenant people. And they had set themselves on a whole different tack, a, a different pilgrimage. They still called themselves Israelites. They still talked about Jehovah. But there was no joy in it. There was no zeal in it for the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ came and said, Zeal for my Father's house has consumed me. And through his zeal we have obtained a covering. In his name we pray, amen.